Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, it's Anna with After Party Pod. How are you guys? I'm pretty good myself. I think I am. Uh, This is a podcast that's about addiction and recovery, and today it's a lot about aging. So if you're not into that topic, I recommend you uh, either turn this off right now or explore why you're not into that topic by delving deep into it. Uh, The reason that it's so much about aging is that I had a really good friend on today, and I think he's obsessed with aging. We, we talk about it kind of a lot, I would say. And so it's unsurprising that it came up so much here. And, and he, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, we've been really good friends over the past couple of years. And he's heard me talk about the podcast and he sort of was like, I'll go on it. But I didn't, or I want to go on it. And I really didn't believe him for a long time. And even though I hang out with him all the time, for some reason, this was very hard to schedule. And I'm now self-conscious having called him a really good friend because he said something to me that was a while ago, like, you know, well, we don't really know each other that well. You know how that feels when you're like, well, that's weird. I thought we did. I guess maybe I don't know about what it means to know people well. And, you know, you sort of go off into, into that headspace. Could just be me. Anyway, his name is Jeff Rhoda, and he is a screenwriter. I do not know uh, the screenplays. He's a TV writer, too. I do not know the names of any of the uh, screenplays or TV shows that he has uh, sold slash written because, and we get into this, he's so modest that it's weird, and I only find out in passing. He'll sort of say, yeah, I'm so stressed I got to go because I sold this HBO pilot, and And so I have no idea what any of them are, except that he wrote the unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 story. And he'll kill me for saying this because he's he he doesn't really probably want to be known for that. But that's the only one that I know about because it's on his IMDb and because uh, I, I, I sort of saw him writing it all the time. He he was kind of coming into this shared office space that I have the pleasure of working in. We work. Check it out. They're everywhere. Anyway, so that, that's sort of, we have a fun conversation. I think it was fun. We get a little dark, so maybe fun is not entirely the best adjective to describe it. But that's it. I'm going to give you Jeff Rhoda. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh, my God. I think my copy has, like, blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? So I'm sitting here with Jeff. This is super Hi, this fun. This is Jeff. Perfect. 
right? Thank you. Thanks so much. Great. Yep. So, you guys, we know this sounds good because uh, James, who you know and love from the Cindy Caponera episode, was acting as sound engineer. So, here we go. What happened and in that episode? Nothing that interesting. It was amazing, just like all episodes, but nothing <laughs> special. It just sounded better because James was there, you know, managing the uh, audio. I see. I see. Now, what's great about this is you have no idea what you're doing here None. or, or None. what we're going to talk about, having None. never been a supportive friend who listens to the podcast. <laughs> I've not listened to it ever. You probably don't know how to listen to a podcast. Tell me that at least, that it's not just you. I've listened. I have a friend that does a podcast for Slate. Oh, and, great. Uh, so you've listened to that. I've listened to that. Okay. And I've listened to. A few of the Mark Marin ones. Okay, no, you don't. You many. don't need to make me feel like you listen to a bunch of podcasts. <laughs> no, I don't. Not that's this it. One. That's the that's the extent of it. That's the extent. Okay, of it. still, and, uh, I ne- I've never heard you know serial. I've okay, never heard this doesn't help. Stuff. This doesn't help. All right, but but um, but so and and I we were just debating this. I would say we know each other really well. Yeah, we know each other really well. And so it's always fun to have somebody here who I know really well. Sure. And um. And sometimes we talk a little bit about how I know the person because it gives some context. <laughs> what? That's not funny. <laughs> I'm yes. just laughing. Okay, because we met in New York. We met in New York. When I lived there. Yes. When you lived there. When I lived there. And we, I mean, is it interesting that we met um, in Montauk? Um, um, because I mean, we had dinner, we had a, a double date with the people we were respectively dating at the time. Was it uh, was it an, an on-purpose double date, or did we just Happened run into all? you? No, no, it was sadly, it was an on-purpose double date. That was really on-purpose? <laughs> I'm glad you remember it well. <laughs> I, I don't. I and you guys remember. ordered the surf and turf, like I still remember that. Surf and turf, no, it was like a, it was a bad restaurant, and it was fried fish. It was really bad, yeah. but... Um, but so we did that. But everything else was great. As company was amazing. Right. Um, and and I guess we sort of knew each other from around, you know, recovery circles in New York. Sort of. Yeah, barely. Really. Then I ran into you in L.A. Yeah. And you were... Um, but I thought... But when I ran into you in L.A., for some reason I thought I knew you a little better. Yeah. I, th- I felt that you acted that way. Yeah. You were very cavalier. Like, oh, hey, Anna. I wouldn't say cavalier. I would just say that... Maybe because the the Montauk thing was very um, intimate. Was intimate. It was <laughs> oh, we seminal. Badminton. Let's not forget. Oh, that's right. See, so that we, sounds so, so idyllic. It was so not idyllic. But and remember that nice house where we were playing. It's beautiful badminton? house. I know. And what's his name? Oh, uh, his name was Evan. Evan. Yeah. Nice guy. Super nice. Super nice guy. Um, so is so he in New York? Do you, do you? I have no idea. I just okay. I'm so proud of myself for pulling that name out of nowhere. Yeah, um, nice guy. So so then I feel that you were cavalier about running into me in LA. Cavalier in a way that I was like, oh, that guy, he's so nice. I mean, but I think I had to reach and go. Is it, what's his name? Yeah, you didn't know who I was. I think, but maybe. I but I figured it out quickly. Oh, you know, it's LA. And then and then we started spending time together. Yes, and it was fun. Yeah, and um, I got to hear a lot about how you don't like LA. I, that, <laughs> I don't know if I would paint that brush, but I, uh, I just had moved to L.A. It's been about a year and a half, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I ran into you very, very early on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, you know, reaching out, seeking friends. But I'm an isolator by nature, so my version of seeking friends out is... Was, still... I think I said, do you want to have dinner? And you said yes. No, that didn't happen. That absolutely happened. Oh, it did? Yeah. Okay. All right. And then and then you were so much... It's not that I had... You're just uh, truly... And I don't tell you this. Like, one of my favorite people to be around. You oh, were just so nice. much funnier and smarter than I had expected 
people to be. You know, yeah. it's not that I thought, oh, you won't be that. Um. <laughs> what do you attribute that to? Because you're a smart person and you've been around many, many, many people in different areas. Is it, see, this is where we get to at New York and L.A. Yeah. You know. Um, I never met anyone smart and funny in New York <laughs> in my three years. <laughs> not really. I know That's some so were awesome. funny and some were smart, but overall, n- None no. were both? <laughs> <laughs> I think I run into way more here. But my okay. point is, it's that my expectations of my standards are very high, and my expectations, no, my expectations are high, and people constantly disappoint me. I think they're smart and funny people everywhere. That, no, it's true, but you don't. I'm just saying. And they're I very think, smart and funny people here in LA. Yeah, I've met some. But I think I think your for whatever your sensibility works for me. It okay. happens to to work. I, um, okay. We recently watched the Grease. Uh, we did special together. We did watch the Grease special. And and you know you saying <laughs> Eve Plum has gone rogue. <laughs> Was the, funniest, was going rogue. the funniest thing in the world to me and as we know from you tweeting it not the funniest thing in the world to anyone no one. else but you know what I realized I didn't do I didn't provide I, context no I wrote I think I wrote Eve Plum is going rogue without any hashtags or anything <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you put my 11 fo- if, so if, if my 11 followers didn't see that and grab onto <laughs> it and you know retweet it around the world then it's just another one of those brilliant moments that no one's gonna see um, but I, I forgot to ask you if you're cool talking about this, but you have an established career of brilliant funniness. I, I, I have a career. You have a career that I, that you are so, uh, not, um, do you do not brag about to the point that I had to, I think that I had to Google you to find out that you had actually sold a lot of screenplays. Um, well, I haven't sold a lot of screenplays. I've been really lucky. I started writing late. And, and so I, I think uh, people like us, there's a lot of later bloomers around. And mm. so it was after 30 that I started writing. And I've, I've just been really, really lucky. But I've not, you know, I think maybe the fear of everything falling apart is one of the reasons why I never talk about it because mm. I think Jinxing. The, well it's also like the fear of the deep shame of like talking about something and then you know not being that thing mm-hmm. and uh, you know and of course I never think that about other people mm-hmm. um, ever you mean the sort of imposter syndrome not being that thing as in you're not really a screenwriter or a writer um, I think there's certainly an element to that. Um, is that working? Yeah, yeah, it's working great. I think um, I think there's an element of that, uh, but I think more than anything, it's the uh, um, it's the idea of being visible in any way and then suddenly being invisible. You mm-hmm. know, um, so I'd rather just not be visible in some ways, and it probably is like. That mentality, I'm sure, has held me back in many areas of my life. But. Well, it's, that's interesting, because you and I have talked about that before. You t- I mean, you've said something like, you know what it's like to be invisible. Yes. It, it, like, walking around yes. in the world. Because, and it's, I, there's someone else I was recently talking to about this, like people who can sort of hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I can do that. Um, I don't know how to do that. And I think it's really amazing when people have this ability to sort of be seen Mm -hmm. and then fade into the background sometimes and just sort of be. Uh, But I do think you have a, you have a a thing about that where you think you are more invisible or whatever that means than you are. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm visible at all. And so I think I, I, uh, um, 
Yeah, but I, I think we talked about it the other night um, about conversations I've had. I am working on like a project that that uh, that has a character. It's an older man who is sort of this is one of the things that he's facing is being invisible. And I think as you get older, um, you start noticing things. You mm-hmm. know, I'm older than I was, and so you know when you walk down the street and oh yeah, you know, and you're like, oh wait, that person isn't looking at me like maybe someone would five years ago that's or 10 years so ago. so depressing. Yeah. I hate, it's the most terrifying thing in the world to me. Exactly. So that's the thing where it's like, it's very, it's terrifying for me. And so, um, yeah, but this, this, I mean, this goes into another conversation about like the, the, about being a man and being a woman, mm-hmm. like heading toward middle age mm-hmm. and the difference in it. And, and I'm definitely in the minority because I think that, um, in some ways, it's much more difficult for a man. It's keep preaching that. I love it. It is. And, and uh, it's usually not popular when I talk like that. It is with like, me. Exactly. You but know? that's funny because you've never said that to me. And I do think you're age obsessed, aging obsessed. Sure. And, and um, you know, that thing we talked about where your hairdresser <laughs> says that you remind her of your his, her <laughs> uncle. And, and, and that's, I think, I think the, the sign of emotional maturity, which we can discuss. You right. And uh, 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 we can discuss more is is being able to hear that. And that is the story. I was getting my hair cut and the woman cutting my hair. She's probably 19 or 20. She said, oh, you remind me of my uncle, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a and it was a. a it was a moment that I valued because my reaction to it was, oh, okay, you know. It, it, yeah, you okay. mentioned it to me maybe, we've talked about it nine times. Yeah, but not in this, you know, I think if it really affected me, <laughs> wouldn't I wouldn't have, have mentioned it at all. Okay. You know, uh, but it's like, okay, yeah, I'm old enough to be that person's, you know, yeah. uncle. So yeah, sure. therefore I remind, like I'm not a special person, who, right. you know, a magical person who doesn't, you know, right. think that. and. And you don't think, remind me of any of my uncles. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, you don't remind me of any of my uncles either. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's not as funny as you can be. <laughs> it's not funny. I wasn't trying to be funny. Um, okay, well, because I'm nervous. This is very... This is a, You're not really nervous. I don't, oh, I don't do... I've never I, done these things. I've done one of these in my entire life. Right. You know? Well, I don't want to be responsible for making you nervous. No, you're not responsible. I'm responsible for making me nervous. And I think that, uh, yeah, I did one uh, mm-hmm. about... I did one last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was for uh, Beverly Hills 90210 um, podcast called The Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> so you... Let's talk about that. No. You, no, we, <laughs> no. You brought it up. Okay. Okay, so you've... So hold on. You've sold probably seven or eight scripts, no. right? No. You, you, uh, you've sold at least two that were on the blacklist. Uh, I've, I mean, I've... Par- I mean, the one was... Uh, uh, one was an adaptation of an article, one was an original one, and one was uh, a, a rewrite of one. Um, so, but the idea of like, you know, writing and then selling them, I've, I think I've never done that. I think I've done that one time in my life. Oh, you know? And you were hired often for, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, for, uh, the 90210 was a re- <laughs> <laughs> what it was? It, I, well, you I, can't, what? You can't I can, spit the words out no, without it was, I'm just trying to remember. It was a reenactment of the years of the 902, the behind the scenes. I still think this is what I think. It, it was, was marketed. A, wrong. It was a lifetime movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The unauthorized 90210 story. Yeah. And I was asked to do it. Yeah. And in this day and age, you know, and in, in Hollywood, if someone asks you to write a movie, you, you know, say you yes. Say yes. Yes. You know, and and I didn't know any much about that show. Mm-hmm. And they sent me a lot of. Uh, uh, study aids mm-hmm. and i was like oh this is a really cool t- 
time. This is a really cool thing. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, the end of the 80s going into the 90s. It was a seminal time for like Fox's brand new network. Aaron Spelling was, you know, his career was over at the time. Mm. And it was just a really interesting thing. And then they sent me all the 9021 episodes because I hadn't seen the show mm-hmm. growing up. I knew what it was culturally because if you weren't, you had to know that it was around. We were, it wasn't out when we were, quote, growing up, by the way. It was out when we were in college. Yeah, I know. But... Yeah, I was still growing up. I yeah. didn't oh, know wait, that. Oh, didn't wait. We, didn't we talk about that the other day when people say... <laughs> yeah, that was... I have this good friend who, when I, we saw the poster for Grease, I said, oh, I'm so excited to see that. It was a seminal movie in my youth. And she goes, oh, I was... Like, basically, I wasn't even born. She's my age. I wasn't even born when that came out. And I was like, we're the same age. And she tried this whole, my birthday's in September. You know that one? Yes. So I was ahead or behind yeah, in yeah, school. Yeah. I, well, I, I know it well because my birthday's August 10th. Right, And right. so I would do that, too. And so I would <laughs> subtract a year. Yeah. And so every time I do this kind of thing with my friends and I've been known to do it as well so right. laughing at myself right. I'd be like oh I was like 10 when that came out and they were like you were fucking 12 like me you know right. that kind of thing and uh, so yes it's just another way to try to shave a little bit off this is this is usually about addiction recovery today this podcast is about aging and how um, to process it um, yes. no but I but I think uh you know, as addicts who uh, are alcoholics or whatever, who sort of uh, blow part of one of the characteristics is sort of taking uh, potential negativity and blowing it up billboard size and believing it. Yes. That, that is accurate about aging. Neither of us are old. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I mean, I know for me in the last year, I've been so tortured by by all of it and you know and just sort of forgetting the general idea and I think possibly you could be guilty of this forgetting how beautiful and wonderful your life is Mm -hmm. absolutely you're absolutely right and I think that a lot has to do like I mean I think segueing into addiction Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know again it's a uh, I don't know what the origin is if it's a chicken and the egg thing but alcoholism is in my family Mm -hmm. you know and for me I think the uh, the the center of alcoholism for me uh, is negativity mm-hmm. and isolation and mm-hmm. self-centeredness, you know? And so to the, the degree that I'm kind of in that quote unquote disease is to the degree that I'm in those at varying stages. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when someone is negative and self-centered and what was the third one? Uh, Is- isolated. isolated. You're not good company. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And so, and that was a big part of my, of, uh, I think, Sobriety. It's a big part of sobriety, you know, yeah. and, and I, and I, and I, and that's a challenge for me in sobriety, you mm-hmm. know, as well. So, um, yeah. How do we get into that? I don't know, but I mean, so, so what do you do to get out of it? Um, that's a really, really good question. I know personally yeah. with you, I would, I would say, uh, and I sometimes get resentful about this. I try to hang out with you a lot more than, than I do. And I, and I can't take it personally because uh, a lot of the time it's, I just haven't, I, I've been watching, you know, Grey's Anatomy all day and I need, I have my deadlines tomorrow. Sure. You've never seen Grey's Anatomy. That's probably not I've true. never seen Grey's Anatomy. But you know. Um, and Mick something. Mick Hot. <laughs> I have never seen it either. You're lying. McDreamy. I've never McDreamy. seen it. But I know that. Because <laughs> Mick Hottie. Have you magazines. tried? Have you tried the new burger, the Mick Hottie or no? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're so much funnier than that. No, I know. I'm not I know. Funny. I'm putting too much pressure on. No, no you're, you're not. You're hilarious. Are you kidding? Eve Plum is going rogue. <laughs> what um, what I'm trying to say? She was a lot younger than I thought because I fact checked her. 
You and the age she obsession. Was, she was 57, I think, or 56. Uh-huh. And thought she looked a little bit older. You know what? What? <laughs> We're, this is not the aging podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, now, now um, my point is that um, your isolating is, a, is so tied into your procrastination. Yes, very much so. Very much. So. Which I think is a characteristic of alcoholism. Absolutely. And it's really, it's, a, it's like, it, it seems like an innocuous quote unquote character defect. Which part? The procrastination? Yes. The procrastination. Um, I think in the list of those that, that, that uh, get in the way of my life, that's one that I think someone can look at and, and write off and say, yeah, that's like a mild one, you know, but for me, it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at like the, whatever, the seven deadly sins, like envy is not a thing for you. Uh, envy is not a thing for me. It's not. You know, it's like, I certainly, I don't know what the seven deadly sins are, but like I, it's a coveting your neighbor's pride's life, one. one I'm sure pride's a big, yeah. It I doesn't think, seem like it, uh, pride is a big thing with you either. I mean, I, these are things that I, I that I work on and yeah. I think that uh, underneath and I don't know if you find this too. It's like you work and know and, and socialize with a lot of alcoholics, mm-hmm. uh, sober people. And um, I've recognized a certain, uh, shall we say, emotional immaturity that yes. that uh, uh, is part of it. And I think there's a duality of that emotional immaturity and wonderfully talented people and you know thinking people. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I've noticed that in me... And admitting to and seeing the emotional immaturity um, in myself, that's what I have to work on. And mm-hmm. so stuff like pride or like envy and jealousy, this kind of little kid stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm getting better and better at like separating the two things. And, and sure, I get jealous. Sure, I get envious. Sure, I get all those things. And I think my ability to handle those things um, is, is a lot more honed than it was, you know, because mm-hmm. I can say, hey, look, this is like what you're reacting to isn't real. Mm-hmm. It's this other thing, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff of, uh, uh, you know, and, and I've and I'm sure you do, too. It's like I have a couple like really close friends, you know, that that I've I've uh, come to know in sobriety for 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. And there are people that I can be 100 percent transparent with, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Your friend Andrew. Every friend time Andrew. I talk to you, you're like, I just talked to my friend Andrew yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, it's so funny because there are a lot of people in my life. But I've always talked to you right after you've talked to Andrew. Uh, well, because I, I, pro- I talked to him today. Right. Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> my point. And so he is kind of like a snuffleupagus character in a mm-hmm. sense because a lot of people have never met him. And they'll be like, oh, what does your friend Andrew say about it? So, oh. <laughs> so you talk to everyone about Andrew. Have you? Has it ever occurred to you that you might be in love with Andrew? <laughs> This is an intervention about you and Andrew. Why is it an intervention? Maybe it's like what needs to be <laughs> sort of what what needs to be aired and pursued. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's he's your imaginary friend, so it is an intervention. Uh, I know, but he's a real person. And uh, do you have people like that in your life that you can be completely transparent with? I have a problem, which is that I'm completely transparent with everybody. But are you? So, I believe so. Hmm. I believe so. I think, you know, my isolation is not my thing. My thing is I, I feel like I need people uh, more than I wish I did. And okay. I think that I walk around sort of thinking that by sharing my true, true self with everybody, it, I'm going to get comfort and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Sure. I could be lying to myself and that's not my true self, but reaching out for help and being real has never been an issue for mm-hmm. me, which I think is, is good because I hear people struggle with sure, that. Sure, um, I You know, I think for me, I don't know how you were growing up. I think you were more probably more like that growing up. And for me... Um, I'm a Jew. 
We're a lot more like that. Yeah, well, I'm half. Not really. Yeah, well, I know a lot of people, well, usually this conversation ends with me saying, who's who's Jewish, your mother, your father? And, and I your... say, my mother, and then they say, oh, then you're Jewish. And yeah, then, but I don't do it like that. Yeah, because I just like, that's conver- that, that conversation has happened to somewhere me, around 7,000 times in my yeah, life. Yeah, but you're waspy. I'm not waspy. Oh, my God. Well, no, waspy. waspy doesn't mean on a sailboat. what does it mean that's the only way i know waspy (laughs) you look waspy um you don't look jewish and i do think that that uh you're not out there sort of uh putting it all out there in in a way that is jewish (laughs) i really hope that no one heard me say that so inarticulately but i did (laughs) i heard but 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 anyway, uh, forget forget that. Forget this is not that. intervention about your Judaism. No, no, lack no, of no, 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 no. Your there, claim. It is not. But but so so I would say that what you're saying is I'd that I'd like to explore it more though. Actually, in your my Judaism, life. I think so. Um, do you want to come to a reboot event with me? And is that the one in a? a Never mind. It's that that Jewish group I'm a part of. Is that a group that does something in, in I like that you were Colorado that. or something? <laughs> it's like if I yes, Park City, yeah, Utah. Yeah, have you I, have you gone to it? We never talked about this because I want to go. I don't you think Havzies can go. Yeah, you had to be no, nominated think, and interviewed. I think Havzies can go because the, in, according to everyone that's ever talked to me, I'm not a Havzie. I'm a Jew because my mother's a Jew. Yeah, and so it was great. I'm the kind of person that they seems like they would want more than anyone else. Well, why know? don't why don't I nominate you and we'll see? Yeah, okay. I did just nominate somebody um no but but you never even knew i did it so if you were interested in it in deserving of this nomination we would have discussed it before (laughs) i Um, still have yet to be nominated for anything in my life that's totally true i've never won an award i've never won an award i mean i won like when i was a kid playing sports that's my point i've never won an award ah that's too bad i know (laughs) that's too bad you'll win stuff you have things all up on your own but you you win awards of of uh, self promotion, yes, <laughs> you do. I wish I had that in me. I wish I had the self promotion sort of yeah thing, and it's it's like and that that holds me back too. But this all fa- this all ties in, I think, to sobriety. All this yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, I uh, do you feel an obligation to bring the topic back to sobriety because no, I'm veering no, off it? No, 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 no. Because it's like now because when we're talking about this and 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 I, when I'm listening to this out loud loud and I. Uh, it comes back to isolation and, mm-hmm. and like choosing a small life, mm-hmm. you know, um, all these things that like, and that's a language that I've learned, mm-hmm. you know, in, in recovery, you know, and, and, um, and so I, you know, I, I think about that a lot about having a small life. And I ask myself that a lot, like, Oh, why is your life smaller than it could be? Mm-hmm. You know? And so when you do, you know, in isolation, I think, you know, for me, when I was a kid, you know, and, and again, like alcoholism to varying degrees and depression run through my family tree, mm-hmm. you know, and I think as a kid, I was a hider in my room. And it's funny mm. when I, and I don't know if you, this happens with you, but when I see people from my hometown or correspond with people from my hometown, their memory of me is so much different than mine. Because mm. to me, it's like, oh, I kind of hid in my bedroom mm-hmm. and, you know. I don't know what I did in my bedroom, but they're I feel just, like you did a lot of jerking off. <laughs> I probably did. Yeah. Um, I probably did. Um, and, and I remember in 86, I had a CD player. Oh, is that early to have it? 
It was early. <laughs> it was actually early to have it for for me because I was just an outer suburban kid, and right. so for for that. And I remember my and there were no CDs out there. There were very few to buy. They didn't make it out there they, to the suburbs. No, they made out there later. Mm-hmm. It was still early in the mm-hmm. CDs, and so there was like a, a it was a portable CD player, which mm-hmm. I feel like predated the bigger CD mm-hmm. players, mm-hmm. and. Through Sony, it was mm-hmm. a Sony something or other. A walk, Sony Walkman. No, it was weird. It was just yeah. weird. It had a contraption to keep it steady. It was really weird. So um, you, yeah, you could order four CDs um, from their little service, and there were very few to choose from. And I remember the four that I chose. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to talk about. Do you this. want to know the four CDs? Kind of. Only if you'll say them briefly. Okay, Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. Wham. <laughs> Licensed to Ill uh-huh. and Raising Hell, Run DMC. So those are the first four CDs Very, I ever owned. Yeah, and I probably Good music taste. yeah, and I probably well, Except Wham, Wham, you know. Hey, I but I mean, to it's, Wham. it shows a great humility that you can share that here. <laughs> Thank you. But so basically, you had a charmed childhood, is what you're telling me. Oh yes, I saw it. So no, but but. What I was saying was that other people are like, no, Jeff, you were like funny and, and yeah. like social and you know athletic and all those things. And I don't re- remember it that way. And I don't know if that's something that applies to people like us or just people in general, you know. But you always talk about your childhood. Like you were like the queen of the castle all the time. Were you not? <laughs> My perception is that I was very You're fun like and engaged and, and not tortured at all. And oh, everybody man. saw me that way. Yeah. So and, and as fun and engaged and not tortured at all. I could be wrong. I don't talk to that many people people from my childhood mm-hmm. so I don't know mm-hmm. but uh, but no I don't think I, I it, it's weird to me I, I think that uh, whatever I, I often hear sober people talk about you know whatever oh, I always felt different and and, and sure you know and, you, I and nev- you didn't no that's so strange it's so strange it's so strange because I feel like that is a thread that really you know it's common, but also procrastination is a thread that's very common, and I don't do that at all. Well, I think that's just one of those long list of character defects. Procrastination and sloth and these things are 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 terrible, you know. And I and 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 have affected my career in in terrible ways, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so the idea that it's like, oh, you do, at the last minute happens, you need to like get everything done at the end and have that pressure, that might be true in some ways, but I think ultimately, you know, if I focused more on that defect, I could do more than just be a guy that gets everything done in the last minute, you know? Well, and not to mention, I will talk to you, and then, like, the lead will be bare, oh, I have so much work, and blah, 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 and then you're like, oh, I sold the show to HBO, and I go, are you happy about it? And you kind of go, well, I'm just so tortured by the, you know, that, 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 you, I don't even feel like you get the moment to say this is such great news. Yeah, I, it's, well, it's funny, I, 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 I don't, I don't, and I don't know if it's like a, there's a certain shame in feeling excitement, you know? Um, yeah. And I feel that, you know? And again, that's probably attached to something a long, long, long time ago and mm-hmm. very historic, but uh, I'm afraid to get excited yeah. about things. That makes sense. Um, because in my mind, it's like, oh, if, and I think that's where negativity and, and alcoholism mm-hmm. and addiction tie in, because in my little kid, immature mind, um, if I, if I think things are going to suck, that when things suck, it won't hurt as much. Absolutely. And that. that's what a little kid would think. That's not real. That's not reality, you know? I don't think that is what a little kid would think. No, I, well, it's, it's what, it's, there's a certain lack of maturity to, to, to piece that together mm-hmm. because I think what, once we find when we're healthier, it's the exact 
opposite, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I don't know what the exact opposite of that is. Well, is it just sort of assuming that things will go well and so they if do? You, if you think that things are going to go well and you plan that things are going to go well and you act as if things are going to go well, if they don't go well, it still doesn't hurt as much. Well, <laughs> you know I what I mean? Well, I do think there is this idea, you know, I know, say, with my cat that I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few times I pet her and love her and don't go, oh my God, she's going to die one day Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be okay. And my subconscious believes that if I do that, I will not be as devastated when she dies, which Mm -hmm. is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think so. I think absolutely. And I, but I think it's, those are, it can really work its way into every part of life. Yeah. Minutia of everything. It's like, "Eh, I'm just not going to get too excited or, but on the, on the other side too, is that, Sometimes I'm afraid to work hard. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm afraid to be passionate, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's been something. And I don't know if this, if people identify with this, but I think that at my best, and maybe I'm still like, you know, peeling the layers off mm-hmm. um, to get to that place that I'm like a passionate guy and a talented guy and, mm-hmm. and could be of great help and, and could get a lot done and really produce things and be involved and, and, excited and it's like I'm really afraid to do those things I'm Mm -hmm. afraid to be excited because it's the same mentality if things don't work out or that doesn't happen then I won't be able to handle yeah but life is so let so much less rich you know to live like that it's really hard and I do think again like these are things that that um I run by people you know Mm -hmm. in in uh, you know in recovery um now, how much of it do you think is you are genuinely not excited in order to save yourself, and how much of it is about if I put it out there that I'm excited, then there's also sort of humility if it doesn't, I mean, uh, humiliation if it doesn't work out? Sure. Um, I think that goes back to what we were saying about being, like, being um, seen, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I, I don't know what the, I think so, yeah. I think I think that... I think what you said is exactly right. <laughs> what did you say? Can you just always say that? Okay. I, I'll just talk and you just say, I think what you said is exactly right. You don't even have to say anything. Okay. I said that Eve Plum was going rogue. Oh, Eve Plum was going rogue. That was an unbelievable display. Uh, you know, it was an unbelievable display because I know Greece well. I, I, not as well as me, maybe. I don't it's know. Not I know con- Greece well. Everything's a competition. Yeah. Oh, it's not a competition. No. I know Greece well. I was one when it came out. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... I don't know what that role was in the original Greece. There was a woman. There was, yeah, there a, was woman a woman who who oversaw the shop class. That's fair, but she, she wasn't in fifteen scenes <laughs> like Eve Plub seemed to sort of insert herself into. Because every time we looked up, Eve Plum was like there, kind of, you know, making a little love to the camera, just smiling, waving. She was very cheeky, and she was very, you know, she was the show. Even on the curtain call when they were out, she did a little like, she did it like a curtsy and like a hair, you know, sort of wig. You know what no, is that called when women do that? Like the 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 hair sort of, ruffle? I have no the idea. The hair ruffle, the hair poof, or something. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's big since nineteen thirty one. But anyhow. Um, um, so so in terms of you know because I see you as somebody who works on uh, your recovery often. Um, 
what has where have you made i mean i know you know you you said you've made progress with pride and with envy and that sure. kind of thing and i i believe you because I, I don't see it in you, mm. and so you must have kind of worked on that before I knew you, because I haven't seen you get, quote, better in mm. that area. I've just seen you as not tortured by that. Okay. Well, so so what has gotten easier over time? Um, what has gotten easier, I think... And what's gotten harder? God, these are big questions. I know. You know, I mean, what's gotten easier, I think, is... Um, accepting people's limitations and really? my own limitations in some way. Mm. Um, uh, it's gotten, I think, acceptance of things that I just didn't want to accept mm-hmm. about life, you know? Um, and about people, about human nature, about, you know, just... Um, I think as an isolated person, magical thinking is mm-hmm. a big part of it was a big part of my childhood, mm-hmm. and therefore, and uh, it was my it was my friend, it was mm-hmm. my best like best friend, you know, like Andrew, uh, exactly, um, because I grew up with a lot of chaos, you know, I grew yep. up with chaos, multiple divorces, and moving around, and like these things that uh, uh, and uh, and kind of a perfect storm of of situations and then on top of it the there's like depression and Mm -hmm. there is uh addiction you Mm -hmm. know these things and they all sort they all work together and for me it was um you know imagining as a child that things would be better down Mm. the road and i say that to people and sometimes and and i kid you not when i was in high school or even middle school i remember thinking you know when i'm in like in my 30s that's going to be my time mm-hmm. and that's an odd thing for like a 14 year old to be yeah. thinking about yeah you know and um but it was like that was that was the idea it's like mm-hmm. things will be okay when x happens and i think in terms of you know bringing that mentality and that immaturity because that's what that is mm-hmm. in some ways it's a it's a it keeps you alive as a kid it keeps you out of the moment it keeps you out of the moment but it's a it's a it it works as a defense tool, mechanism yeah. as a tool you know but when you bring that into your adult life it stops working and so a lot of my um you know when i st- my last few years of drinking, I spent an enormous amount of time alone, mm-hmm. thinking, mm-hmm. you know, muttering, mm-hmm. you know, and I hear that, and you know, I think I was twenty nine when I th- when I first um, really understood that something was amiss, you know. I think mm-hmm. I got sober when I was thirty one mm-hmm. or thirty two, um, but I was a guy that would look forward to getting home alone, mm-hmm. you know. It's like I was not going out. Like I, my mm-hmm. story, my story does not have clubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does not have parties. It's just this kind of sad thing, and that's another part too. And people are like, oh, Jeff, you used to go out a lot, and right. I don't remember that. Well, because I feel like you've told me about sort of, sort of the part of your twenties that sounded super fun. And maybe when you were living with a bunch no, of people, no, no, I, I, I had the best time in my life. I was twenty four years old. Oh yeah, yeah, this was it. And, and you I think were on that, a trip. No, I lived in New York City, and I think, and I'm not even kidding, because this get gets laughed sometimes when I say it. There was like a it won't right now. No, it won't at all. But there was like a three week period. Yeah. When I was twenty four, <laughs> that you were really happy. That everything was so awesome. Yeah. And it was that. It may have been that long. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's funny to me because it really is true. I, I had moved to New York City and I was bartending. It was mm-hmm. before I started anything. I, it was 24, still young enough that you don't 
realize that you're not on track to do anything mm-hmm, you know you mm-hmm. still have that magical thinking like mm-hmm. oh something good is gonna happen and yeah. I which is something else I've heard in our circles is right. that idea that I was waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and say hey you're you're supposed to be with the special people like right being right. picked you know yeah and that's something that I've said to people in our circles and have people say that's exactly what I thought that I was just magically special oh you know? yeah and I didn't even do anything it's like one thing if you're a dancer and you think you're <laughs> going to be discovered as a dancer I didn't do anything yeah I didn't do a fucking thing yeah I wasn't an actor or a writer I was just kind of a guy who smoked <laughs> <laughs> and I and, and bartended, I, and I worked at as a, at, at a place in Soho, and it was like the first time that I felt like okay looking, and so it was just a good time, mm-hmm. you know. And and uh, and then it went away <laughs> after three weeks. <laughs> after three weeks, it went away. There was a big snowstorm, I think. <laughs> and then you were depressed uh, after that. Uh, the snowstorm was great, and then um, snow and melted. Then, but I think life started to happen, and the yeah. people that I grew up with suddenly were. Uh, leaving grad school or leaving law school mm-hmm. or meeting this person or oh that person's getting married what they're only 27 you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing and then all of a sudden you're the guy that's you know <laughs> 35 and or I should say I'm the guy that was 30 mm-hmm. and I didn't do anything I was mm-hmm. like oh my god I am fucked mm-hmm. you know and and then a friend of mine could see this mm-hmm. a very close friend of mine said you know he sent me to a therapist that he used to go to that mm-hmm. and uh and who happened to also be like a drug and alcohol counselor. Mm-hmm. And I went up there and I started talking about it. I was still drinking for a few more years. And then finally it was like, yeah, I think that life might, I'm, you know, this is something that I, I take seriously and, and I pass it on a lot and there's a simplicity to it. But my buddy who uh, helped me get sober and, uh, and he passed away. Um, mm. But he, uh, uh, when he, when he told me about AA, he said, it gives you a, ch- oh, mm-hmm. I go AA. Yeah. It gives you, shut up. It g- Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine with All me. Right. Uh, or recovery, I should say. Yeah. Um, or actually, you know what? It's so weird that I said AA because he actually said sobriety, you know? And we can't talk about who that was. No, okay. no. And he said, you know, sobriety gives you a shot. It gives you a chance. Mm-hmm. And, and and I've and I've been able to pass that on because sometimes when things are really blue or I'm really low, it, you know I think sometimes there's a, an anger at sobriety mm-hmm. where it's like God I you know I'm not drinking mm-hmm. and look at this I feel terrible right as a creative person you're a creative person too it's like gosh I remember I remember being more creative when I was drinking it, you know kind of silent. I never was but... I, you know I I thought that I was yeah. you know and you know and I think that it boils down to that like hey sobriety gives you a chance it gives you a shot you might not do anything with that shot but you have no chance if you're drinking yeah i do think of that too yeah and 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 it's hard to remember you know this girl uh just wrote an essay for the for our after party magazine the accompanying website to this podcast um where she talked about um entitlement and how when she got sober just the fact that she was sort of had a place to live was just she was so grateful for it and now a few years sober it's like where is this where is that and and we forget if we talk about things sort of getting harder or whatever that Mm -hmm. our expectations have grown so much sure and that this i have a shot of course i get shots every day you know Mm -hmm. that just we take it all for granted absolutely absolutely Um, and and, uh i feel weird that i said my reveal my anonymity i I never do i feel weird that you won't let me say who that friend was no because i just don't like to talk about it okay uh and um, 
but yeah, so that's so that 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 still applies to me, and it, that helps me when you say early on you ask like what gets me out the door sometimes like, mm -hmm. when I'm feeling this way. It's like sometimes it's that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just like okay, all you were promised in this was a chance, mm -hmm. you know, nothing else, mm -hmm. and. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, and that idea about the I'm just so special magical thinking thing, it was I, I mean, I so relate to that. And you know, I remember I would when I first moved here and I was working at like People magazine and I would sort of go to a premiere and think I was gonna get discovered as sure. special. I'm not an actress. Sure. I don't know what I thought would happen, but I did, you know. Did you feel like a this is God, I've never really talked about this, but did did you feel Part of the hard part about growing older is learning that that's not what happens. Yeah. And there's a t and, and when we, when I was talking about being 24, there was some incredible joy to not knowing how life works. Yes. Yeah. You know? And not getting that your life doesn't change overnight. Yeah. And just just not getting it. Just you. I. You just. That's not how life works. Yeah. You know. No one really. Well, I mean, I looking, think part you know? of my moving to LA mm -hmm. was that this is a magical place where life changes overnight. And if you are somebody who thinks, if only I have that, I'll be happy, that's a pretty amazing quality that a city can have. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember thinking when I sold my first book, if this happens, I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And my life is going to change overnight. And it did not. It changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. But not enough to move the needle of like, now I'm there, now I'm better. It's a, it, nothing does that, yeah. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you write Fifty Shades of Grey, it does. But did you find that this town, like, uh, I, you know, I've been here a little more than a year and a half. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I, I lived in New York for 18 years. Mm -hmm. um, it is hard here. I don't think so. See, for me, it is. It's just, it's, it's, it. It's hard, and I don't know what is hard about it. I think it's hard, maybe being in 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 the industry. Mm -hmm. um, it's a you know New York, and I and and I'm, New York isn't Des Moines. Oh, I'm you so know, over you talking about New York? No, New York isn't Des Moines. It mm -hmm. has it has the same stuff, you mm -hmm. know. So you interrupted me. You think I was going to say something awesome about New York? But it's it has its vapidity, and and is that a word vapidity? I don't know. It sounded all right. It sounded all it right. It made me think. Oh, he's really smart. But yeah, I think thanks. that all the time. Thank anyway. you. Thank you. Um, and uh, but here is a town that is about what you're doing now, you know. And, I disagree. And I in the industry, in the okay, industry, fine. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that bums me out when you learn that when you hear that, and then you come to discover like, yeah, that's kind of true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of true. People really kind of give a shit about what you're doing, and if you're not doing something. It's, you know, next, who's, you know, and, and, okay. and I feel that. I would like to reference an earlier part of the conversation sure. where we talked about, uh, it was around the period where we were talking about assuming that things, we can't be happy about things because this assumption is that it'll be taken away. Absolutely. And if you believe that, it is true. And I do think that you have these ideas about LA that you can manifest that I don't think um, are, are accurate. I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the industry, but, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I was at dinner with a friend last night who said, who was talking about why she loves LA so much because it's, it's, uh, was it Eve Plum? Because <laughs> <laughs> she loves LA so much because she, she just to went be a, rogue. She, because she could be in live musicals. <laughs> <laughs> but I would be happy every day if I could be in live oh, musicals. God, um, sure. but, 
but she was talking about how the, the whatever the jewels of LA are all hidden whereas you know you go somewhere like New York and it's all out there and and what's special about LA don't give me that look I'm just like is, what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> is that you know it's like there's no you know it's not centered around downtown there's all these little pockets you can do all of these little things and people don't know they come here and they think like you know every British person who moves here moves to the beach because that's what they think LA that's all that it is then there are a lot of people who think LA is only the industry and then people say these things about oh everybody here is so this or that and it's like no there's just all sorts of people I don't here. think that my, I understand it's like my I came out here for work yes. you know I came out here to like my because I, I had moved from Brooklyn I lived up in the woods for a couple of years yeah and then I came out here which is not a good idea which is probably not a great idea yeah um but I, you know, I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. And uh, so I was coming out here to really, I guess, either resurrect my career or save it or start it, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came out here for that. And so the people that I, that I, that I know or have, have corresponded with are in the industry, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, it's been, you know, and, and it's been that's been really humbling and disappointing in some ways but you've done so well i don't see it like that Mm -hmm. you know i don't see it like that at all you know because i think for me it's it's i could be on facebook and there will be eight things that come across the feed of just like hey so-and-so's show is going to siri like these people and you're and so what happens to me is that i'll be home Mm -hmm. and thinking oh my god this entire town is just is just popping with people doing things and their shows being done and all this stuff and I'm involved in none of that. Which is and, crazy. And and so it really is. And I think that's where addiction and alcoholism really kind of they 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 contribute to that feeling, but then they really um, exploit that feeling. Yeah. You know, very, very much. Yeah. It really gets in there and there's like a level of despondency that can mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. that's really, really rough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I could blame it on that or think that it's that. And then, um, and then, and, and so that, and so that's been, that's been hard for me, you know, because I don't have the network only because I haven't chosen to have it. There's like amazing, this is an amazing sober community here, mm-hmm. amazing people. And I've used being new a little bit in mm-hmm. town as mm-hmm. an excuse oh, to, yeah. to not, you know, sort of uh, engage. There's also some douchebags. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about the number of douchebags in our quote circle of people we knew in New York. Uh-huh. I don't even have enough time to talk about that. <laughs> Um, but, but yes, I, but I do think, I mean, Facebook is just, uh, you know, an evil, evil place for compare and despair. And, but to keep it in perspective that, you know, sort of you're doing better in that way than 99.9% of people out there. And, and just, I do think one aspect of alcoholism is to forget that all the time. I do all the time. Uh And then I have to remind myself, oh, there are people who would look at what I'm doing and think that it's, it's fantastic. Do you find, and this is something that I've that th- that's been a gift of getting older and maturing and being sober is that the idea the fantasy that when X happens I'm going to be okay yeah I know enough to know that enough has happened in my life yes. you know I haven't made a ton of money I haven't done that but enough has happened that I can at least say you know what it wouldn't make a difference if it was that or more it's still me yes you know and, yes. and that's been really great because I and there's a certain mourning of that of the loss of that fantasy, that fantasy yeah. you know and and so i think 
getting over the morning and then appreciating the facts like, okay, I know that that won't make me feel better. Yeah. It is an inside job. Yeah. And maybe there's, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think when, you know, Tony Scott jumped off a bridge or whatever yeah. it was, you kind of go, oh my God, having the height of success, you know. But but do you think, like, uh, that's the strange thing for me when, when this happens to people that we either know. Are we done? Are you no, no, think? no. Keep like, going. with people... Um, Tony Scott or I mean the the there's scores of people like that. Yeah. I think that it's just one more example of the idea that there's no place that you can reach that you're safe, you know? Yeah. Um and and sometimes that success is just a is almost a tragedy because mm-hmm. you know you're there and I see it all the time. People so hungry for it. And just like, you know that that's the thing. Like, once I get there, everything's going to be okay. And then they get there and then they die. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't enough. And there are guys like, you know, they're just, there's a lot of people. And we know some people. Yeah. And uh, and it's just awful. You know, it really is. And so I know that that's not the thing that's going to save me. I Mm -hmm. know that the thing that's going to save me is this it's trudging. It really is trudging. You well, know? And getting that, you know, and you've said this to me, you know, sort of, uh, being in the middle of like, if it's not okay, it's not the end, you mm-hmm. know? Cause, um, if it's not okay, it's not the, Oh, you told me that everything will be okay in the end. And it's on a magnet oh. <laughs> on my fridge. But I do think about that. I might be <laughs> screwing up the, the way it goes, That's but, so excellent. but no, but you know what I mean? Like things aren't okay. Well, in the end, they're going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like just being in the middle of it, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of feel like I've been wrestling with a lot in the last year and it's not that life got harder. It's that I'm in the middle of figuring something out. And, mm-hmm. and as has happened over and over again, I'll come out on the other side with much greater relief. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. And I hope that that's the case, but it goes back to the idea of getting a chance. And like, I, I know that I have a chance for that to happen if I'm a sober person, you know, but I, I still, I wrestle with it, you know, sobriety and creativity has been, uh, has been, I spent 95% of my creative career sober, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but when I started writing, I was drinking Mm -hmm. and I wrote really good stuff, Mm. you know? And so when I struggle, there is that thought, you know? I don't think it was that good. Or did you sell stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good. You know? What I wrote was terrible. And there's, I think there was something about, you know, and, and I'm about quieting the noise, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you stop, and then you stop smoking. I don't smoke anymore. And so yeah. it really is, there's a, there's a loudness in my head that it's hard to, 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 work past. to work past, you know? And I think a lot of the procrastination and fear and all that and anxiety, all these things come out of that place. Mm-hmm. And so that's tricky. But I, but I think having a, a sober reference that is even, it can be minute, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like I've written some things that I think are really good in sobriety. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it can be done. Yeah. There's no other point to converse about it. It right. can be done because it has been done. And that's it you yeah know? and so the rest of it is kind of bullshit yeah the rest of it is that noise in your head that's like hey maybe it's you know maybe you could have a drink right you know it won't be the end of the world right you know what um how long are you sober 12 
something? I, 12 or 13. I think I had 13 years. I, you need to know. I know. I think it was 13 years on November 24th. I know the date. So I came into... November 24th? Yeah, November 24th. I didn't know our dates were so similar. Yeah, November 24th, 2002. So is that... That's it. It's 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, 13 years. Yeah. And I was dry. Oh, I was uh, almost 14 years. Almost 14 years. It's not almost 14 years. No, but I was like, because oh, 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 before oh, I went into recovery. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, so I didn't count that. But I mean, it's been a long time since yeah. I've had a drink, you yeah. know? Um, it's strange. Do you ever think about that? It's just, it's, it's just. I have to think about it so much of the time because of what I do sure. that it doesn't seem strange. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That's part of your identity. It's part of what you do. And I don't love that. No? Well, no, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird to have done that. But, but I love what I do. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, sometimes it, well, sometimes it just feels like that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not something to build an identity around. Sure. I know. Um, I know. and you know, I'm getting more into making it about, um, you know, about sort of what recovery is can be applied to anyone's life about sort of building the life that you want, working through mental, you know, blocks. Sure starting businesses sure you know all mm-hmm. of that stuff getting out of your own way mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good concept uh but anyway i i mean i think that we are at the end do you feel good yeah i feel fine this is good to do i know right very helpful for me yeah was it yeah. was it like therapy yeah totally yeah but, but like therapy that you're gonna are you gonna listen to this uh, yeah how do i do that but more importantly i don't i mean i'd rather listen to other things than just listen to the stuff i just said right um, well you would have to get over the fact that you don't support my creative endeavors <laughs> and you'd have to listen to my podcast so i don't know if you can work through that enough to listen to this but more importantly do you think eve Plum will listen to this hey that was jeff rhoda on after party pod And what else do I want to tell you? Hey, if you want to go review this or subscribe to this podcast, go do that on iTunes. If you want to know about after-party happenings, uh, sign up for the newsletter. To do that, you go to rehabreviews.com slash newsletter dash sign dash up. If you do that, you get a free copy of our ebook, How I Got Sober. You're saving $1.99, which is what it costs on Amazon. We want to give it to you free. And that's it. Thanks for listening.